Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and the difference only you can make. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Onward and a compass helping difference makers live their legacy. You can learn more at creativeonpurpose.com. This season, we're drawing insight and inspiration for guests successfully embracing uncertainty, navigating adversity, and making things better doing work that matters. Welcome to today's guest, Connor McCarthy. Connor McCarthy, I cannot talk today. Connor, please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where can they go to connect and learn more about you and the difference you make? Hi, Scott. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's really exciting. Um, I've been looking forward to this for, for a while now. Um, I I do a couple of things. So um, I host a podcast called The First 10 Podcast. Uh, I interview people on their first 10 customers, who they were, uh, how they found them, how they talked to them, and what difference it made to their business. Um, I also have uh, my own startup uh, called Subscription Club. So I, we help people put their products online as a subscription service. Um, that's available at subscription.club. Um, I also do some blogging. Um, that's all over at the, the URL, which you've put on the screen there, at connormccarthy.me. And I, for, for for what it's worth, I used to be a software engineer. I used to run one of the biggest live events in Ireland. So checkered past, like a lot of people these days have, yourself included, Scott. But that's that's what I'm up to right now. Well, none's more checkered than mine. Um, <laughs> that said, uh, there's there's one piece of your bio that, that I'm aware of that you didn't highlight, um, and maybe it was on purpose, but I'm going to peel back the curtain anyway. So Connor and I are connected through Seth Godin's Alt-MBA program, but also are both coaches in uh, both Connor and uh, Alt-MBA and Akimbo Workshops and me in Akimbo Workshops. And I guess that is a way of leading us back to what you shared first, which is the First 10 podcast, which uh, is one of my favorite ideas, concepts that Seth Godin teaches. So for those that might not be familiar with what that term means or what the implications of that term are, just what what is what is First 10 and just how did you come upon the brilliant idea of crafting a podcast around that? Sure. So, so the first ten, um, the first ten customers to me, on a very literal level, it's about when you have an idea for a business and you think this this could be a thing. I mean, the one of the most important things you have to do is bring it out to the world. And there's even to unpack that a little bit. That can be a moment, as we both know, that is fraught with all kinds of feelings: imposter syndrome. Um, overthinking things, you know, just to actually show your idea, maybe something that you've been thinking about for months or years, to put it in a format, to package it up and say to someone, here, I made this. I'm not actually sure if it's good or great or nothing, but I'm willing to show it to you. I'm willing to reach across the aisle and say, what do you think of it? So that's often the, the first customer, if you like. But the first 10 customers, I suppose, was was uh, is a part of the entrepreneurial process that I think is fascinating because it's different for everyone. And even if you if two people are launching a product or a service in the same uh, industry or the same vertical, their journeys to get there will be totally different. And the people you meet early on in the journey have uh, really a huge effect on what your product or service becomes and ultimately who you become because of that. Because it's not until we bring something out into the world, into the, the cold light of day and get feedback on it. And it's usually very generous feedback from those first customers that we actually get to see what we have. Uh, you know, we, you and I coach people all the time. And and one of the joys of coaching is being able to highlight a blind spot that someone might have and, and to help them see those blind spots. And when it comes to launching our own projects and our own products and services, we, we often 
we we often have our own blind spots that other people can can help us uh, can reveal to us. So it's a really I think it's a great part of the process. It's almost like I, I'm not sure if there's any other part uh, for most entrepreneurs that has a, a, such a big effect. And I think just talking to entrepreneurs about those, you get these really interesting stories as well because. People, you know, people are talking to their family members or their friends, and and often it's the people they're the most scared to approach. And so, for that reason, there's a lot of talk about overcoming fears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I know that it was uh, an idea that completely changed the game for me in terms of moving my enterprise from this wonderful idea that was fun to play with in my head and to blog about and broadcast about. Um, that was also uh, in many ways, a very expensive hobby in, in terms of, of um, time and attention and money to becoming a sustainable enterprise that could pay for itself and actually provide profits. And the, the leap seems to be, it, it's one thing to connect your idea, your product, your service with 10 people that express interest. It's another to get 10 paying customers to get 10 people to say, I am not only um, giving you permission to tr uh, and providing trust in, in your idea, but I'm actually enrolling and investing in the journey that you want to take me on. Um, and the idea that if you can get 10 people to do it, then you probably have something that's worth uh, putting more of your, your time and uh, attention equity into to, mm -hmm. to, to leverage and to scale and to amplify and, and, turn into a, a, a bigger, stronger uh, offering. Mm, yeah. Of all the stories that you've heard on the podcast about people who either did or did not get their first 10 with their brilliant idea, are there any that really stand out as, you know, being profoundly interesting or surprising? Um, I Early on in the, in the first season, I interviewed a guy I met on Twitter. His name is Ryan Doyle. And he was in the middle of building, and he, he's still building it out. Um, he's, he's in the middle of building a, a software service called Magic Sales Bot. So it was, it's kind of like an AI-powered sales platform. And he was on customer number three. And we had this really interesting discussion because he was like, and he was looking back, if you listen to it now, you'd hear it, like he was, he, he had so much energy in him, but he was also super, super open to all the feedback that was coming his way. And by his own admission, he was getting so much stuff wrong, but he was getting a few things right. And he was able to leverage those those things, both those things, to making the product or the service better all the time. So finding the, the conversations, and I've only had a couple with people who are actually in their first 10, is fascinating because by the time they reach 10 from three or four, there's a very good chance that what they're doing or the way they think about it has changed an awful lot. You know, even even when I look back on the first 10 customers of, of, of businesses that I've started in the past, over time, they're kind of, I suppose, the stories of those of those first 10 customers, they change slightly. Um, they, they, they kind of, I suppose, they lose the the frantic energy, I want to say, of what it felt like in the moment, because at the moment it it can be fraught. It, it's a feeling of this this has to work. You know, this is my big idea. This is something I've had close to my heart for so long, or you know, this is something I've poured a lot of time and energy into, and this you know this this has to work. So there's yes, there's worry, but there's also hope, and there's there's it's it's such a great um, 
it's such a great moment for people to talk about because it thinks I think it brings out the human aspect of of starting a new business and entrepreneurship and developing relationships, which is really ultimately for me anyway, I think the relationships is what it's all about. That's it's the kind of I think it's the whole reason we're doing any of this. Yeah, that's really the, the the human element is I'd love to just tug on that thread just a little bit more, because one of the things that I know that um, with my clients that I'm most of whom are engaged in some sort of freelancing or entrepreneurial endeavor that's um, maybe just beginning or succeeding, but not succeeding quite enough is my one of my first encouragements is who do you already know, like, rather than build this long chain of I need to earn your awareness, I need to earn your attention, I need to earn your permission, I need to earn your trust, I need you to take an action that leads to enroll, you know, it's this long causal chain that's very prone to breaking many times along the way. If you can go to people that already know, like, and trust you, you've bypassed five or six of those steps, and you're really just down to the enrollment investment piece. Mm. Um, but that is that's when things get very real and to use your word very fraught because now you're putting yourself, you're standing up to be seen, speaking up to be heard, putting yourself on the hook and saying, you know, to, to your point, I, I made this, I made this for you. Yeah. <laughs> and of course there is, there, uh, there is, you know, the well, there's two things. Some people say three things. They'll say yes, no, or maybe, but maybe means no. So <laughs> it's really just yes or no. And many people will say no. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that, that uh, there's a real opportunity there to, to practice the real skills, the human skills, the soft skills, whatever you want to call them, um, you mm. know, which can be just curious as to your thoughts and based on your experience and your conversations. Um, and you alluded to this a little bit already, but you know the the clarifying power of of focusing on real human beings, those first ten who you know by name, you know who you know by all their demographics and most of their psychographics. Um, how do you see that as as a way of clarifying uh, your your enterprise, but also um, helping? create a deeper level of commitment and connection. Yeah, yeah. This is this is super important. I'm really glad you brought this up because I often meet um entrepreneurs and freelancers and people starting their own their own venture. And there's a feeling of I need to start a social media account. I need a blog. I need a newsletter. I need the, I need the presence. I need to build the, it's almost like build a world mm -hmm. to describe what I'm doing before really understanding well, who is the person who's going to land on that planet and, and look around and go, oh, I, I like it here. This is something for me. Um, so, th so the idea of, of, of reaching out, and I mean that in the, in the physical sense, like who is at arm's length that you can get in touch with? It might be your mom. It might be your brother. It might be your, your brother-in-law. Um, it's the people that you can have real conversations with. Um, is the most important thing. I, I often recommend to people that they literally pick up their phone and they go to the phone book, which most of us don't use anymore, um, and just and just start scrolling and make a list. If you can get 10 names out of your phone book, you're, you're on the way. You know, it can be as simple as that. Other places, obviously, people can go to LinkedIn or Facebook, et cetera. But again, not with the intent of building a, a marketing machine. That comes later. I think you... I think marketing is best done when you understand who these people are, when you understand what problem that you're 
helping helping to solve for them when you understand their needs when you understand how they talk about their needs um that then the marketing bit comes in so it's very much I know sales is a, is can be a dirty word, but it's very much, I suppose, the, the part of sale, sales that's about serving other people. Right. Um, and to properly serve, you really need to have those conversations with the people who are closest to you and, and not be afraid about it. There's a, you know, I think I, I often say this to people and I only re- realize it too late in life. It was like your greatest, greatest superpower starting out with a business is that people want to help you. Like everyone wants to help. If you if you were approached in the next five minutes by someone saying, can I just take 10 minutes of your time to discuss my new idea or something? You'd say, absolutely. You know, people people want to help you. The the paradox, because most things in life have, have a paradox at their core, the paradox of that is that people won't want to lie to you. And this is maybe a, a separate part of the discussion which we can get into if you'd like about, you know, how do you have a conversation with someone that makes sure that they um, that they are, I suppose, being as honest as they can be, because people might, you know, you bring you bring your new idea to them. They kind of they don't want to let you down. They want they want to break your heart. So they might say, "Absolutely, I would buy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you go away and build this, and thumbs up, keep going. That that sounds great." Yeah, well, that's I think that's why it's I found it to be really important with you know the first ten applying the first ten principle is to you know, before I would even create the product or service, I would create the landing page with a buy now button and actually put a dollar figure on it. And it could be, you know, um, early bird pricing or beta pricing or initial launch pricing or whatever it is, but people had to purchase it. And if I got 10 purchases, then I would build the thing. Hmm. And and the idea is, you know, you, 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 you are promising something that can be built in a day or a weekend, not, not, a brick and mortar, uh, you know, you're not building a university, <laughs> yeah. you know, but because I think one of the things about the first 10 is it's, it's, it's related to this idea of the smallest viable audience. And if you can offer the smallest viable audience, a smallest viable offering and take mm-hmm. a smallest viable step with them, your val your, it's a psych psych virtuous cycle of validation and sustainability and both of those things are really important you have to validate the idea but the idea also has to be self-sustaining um and then you can amplify the things that work uh and leverage the things that work and you can tweak or toss away the things that don't work um the the other so what you're saying about the piece you know where people uh you know people may like certain things and but you'll also receive like this you know feedback that uh about the things that you know people don't like and what's your experience with just or any tips or um advice for accepting feedback like being open to your example earlier to you know being a person that's open to hearing both kinds of feedback uh, and and not letting negative feedback or you know counter feedback that goes against you know what your dreams and desires are, um, you know, so that you don't get discouraged or or uh, dissuaded in your endeavor. Mm-hmm. That's you know feedback, giving and receiving feedback are are two vital uh, soft skills you might say, um, but they are 
it, you know, they, they are kind of a muscle that you need to build. So in receiving feedback in the, in the sense of the first 10, it's, it's always about framing that as a learning experience because there is, if you feel yourself, I suppose, if you feel yourself getting, getting your back up about some piece of feedback, that's worth questioning because in, in reality, you're only really learning if it, if, if, if you tell someone your idea and it's not for them, okay, maybe there's a chance that it just wasn't for that person. It doesn't mean it's a bad idea. If you tell 10 people and they all give you the same piece of feedback, ding, 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 that is, that's amazing that you've just learned something really important. So then you can kind of go, okay, maybe my, my main idea, and this takes a bit of humility, um, my main idea isn't working, but I could definitely shift it because there's something here that I understand, or there's something that I'm trying to put out into the world that I feel strongly enough about to go and talk to 10 people, but it isn't quite right. And ultimately, you need to know this stuff early on. And this is, again, the magic of the first 10 windows. You can learn so much in this short space of time that will pay dividends down the line. It's a, it's, it's a compound interest thing. The, ter- the things you learn early on, if you get them right, if you solidify those learnings and you're, you're building in the right place and solving the right problem, that's the, that's the solid foundation. Then you, to your point, you kind of, you get to see what works and you get to leave off what doesn't work. So I suppose being gracious with all feedback is, um, it's uh, treating it as data. You know, it's, it's good data ultimately. Um, and see, seeing it, that's, that's what it's for. It's not like they don't like you, um, or they don't like your product. They're just, they just don't see where exactly it fits for them. Well, I think that is a really important point worth amplifying is is feedback. If you're taking feedback personally, you don't understand what feedback really is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so being able to separate yourself from your product or service or from your brilliant idea um, and not have your worthiness invested in whether people like or don't like your idea. The mm-hmm. other thing that came up for me is is, just remembering back to the early days is solicited feedback versus unsolicited feedback. You know, I think you can weigh those differently. And that doesn't mean to say that unsolicited feedback can't really be valuable. It's just that it can, it can be difficult to to kind of see the virtue, um, you know, when somebody is providing you negative feedback and you haven't even asked for their opinion. But the 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 trick that I learned uh, early on was my response to any feedback was always the same. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective with me. Because that was a way of acknowledging mm. the, the generosity that was just extended. This person is providing me feedback because they think that it will be helpful and whether it is or not their intention was good. Um, and it allowed me to put a pause if I was feeling any anxiety around, you know, the perceived negative quality of that feedback. I could like, you know, thank you. I'm going to think about that for a little while. And then I could think about it for a little while. And sometimes I would see the virtue in what they were saying. And sometimes I say, actually, I don't think they were either not the right person or, or they didn't understand fully what I was um, trying to share. So hmm. just, just some additional thoughts there. And, and, and there's, there's so little information in a straight no. And you always have that, to your point, like to build on the kind of like, thank you, that's, that's really useful for me to get this no. But, but the classic thing, but why do you say that? Like why? And to do that in a, I suppose to frame that as a, I'm not trying to repitch you. 
I'm really curious to understand why it's no, because is it a, is it no, it's too expensive? Is it no, you don't fully understand how this would fit into your life? Is it no, because you're not the decision maker? Right. And maybe maybe you're not spending your money in, that could be in a B2B context. So the next step, the no plus, the plus is actually where you get some really good feedback. And to double down on what you said, I suppose it's it's in the first moment in that instance saying, it's it's great to know where you stand now can you can you flesh out where you stand yeah that's brilliant i love that um i we're, we're quickly running out of time and that we haven't even touched on your other endeavor but it's it's <laughs> it's new to me so i would love for you to just unpack a little bit about what subscription club is all about what's uh, who is that for and what's the problem that you're solving through that endeavor Sure. Yeah. So um, Subscription Club was born during the pandemic uh, when myself, and my co-founder were, um, we were, we were both, we both had joined subscription services and had noted in passing that they weren't all they could be, let's say. <laughs> um, there was just certain things about the subscription services we were using, the, the platforms, not, not the products themselves, the platforms that didn't lend themselves to ease of use. And, and we started to talk about it. And one thing, we kind of broadened out the conversation into, into was like, well, no one's going into shops anymore because it's a pandemic, but it's something that people that is maybe missing now in the world of e-commerce. It's kind of, it's, it's very transactional, but how can you make it more relational? So subscriptions are one way to make e-commerce more relational. I mean, e-commerce is such a, it's such a, a flinty word. It's such a hard word. Um, but behind it is a, is a serving of needs. So what we're trying to do is help people help um, help online retailers to develop a better relationship with their customers one one of the ways we do that is subscriptions we've other ways that once we get a bit of traction that we're going we're going to introduce but we just said to ourselves like subscriptions is subscriptions are kind of magic because if if a customer says um I want to start a subscription to your product. They are, they're not just raising their hand, they're putting it way in the sky. They're putting up two hands to say, I love this so much. I don't even want to have to think about ordering it. And please just take the money out of my account on a regular basis, <laughs> effectively. And that's a really, they're your hardcore fans. They're your evangelists. They're your, your minimum viable audience. Again, like you can literally pick up the phone to those people and ask them anything because they they love you and they're willing to do whatever for you. So how can we find ways to find those customers and I suppose to to treat them in 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 the in a way that shows them that they are a valued customer. So again, it's going back to that relationship thing. Like these finding subscription customers is a great way to I don't want to say segment your audience, but just to to uncover more information about your audience so that you can do a better job of serving them. Really, really interesting. I mean, it's it, it is a way, especially in in um, the current times, to bring in some uh, some some sustainability that you can count on over time. You know, the idea of being able to provide some sort of monthly product or service so that you have a, a, a recurring income, as opposed to you know the way a lot of digital commerce goes, which is just like any freelancing endeavor, you're only making money when somebody has hired you for a yeah. specific number of hours or what have you. I, I love the idea. And so that was subscription.club. Subscription.club is the, is where to go for that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to mm. check that out myself. So mm. as we're approaching the end of our, our time together, Connor, I just, 
couple last quick questions. Mm -hmm. One is um, you mentioned that you have a partner in your subscription club uh, mm -hmm. endeavor. And I'm one of the things that I know from talking to many uh, of the, the guests is how important routines and relationships are for mm -hmm. people that are engaged in some sort of entrepreneurial or freelance endeavor. So I'm just curious about, you know, how do you go about crafting and cultivating routines, daily routines and relationships that help keep you on track and moving forward in, in your various endeavors? Yeah, this is, this is a great question. And it's one that um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about and a lot of time staying on top of because I, I don't think it's a, a one and done set it and forget it thing forever um, because you learn as you go and you, you you shift things around so staying on track i have a couple of um a couple of routines that i do that i'll share that that have been really useful for me so i think reflection and planning are two really important sides of 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 a coin if you like that i spend time doing every friday and this takes about an hour but what i do is I have a list of questions at the end of each week, um, usually on a Friday afternoon, and I, I, I answer these questions. And they're things, I don't have them right in front of me, but it's it's things like, you know, what were my wins this week? Uh, what could I improve on? Um, you know, who did I reach out to this week that, you know, that I had a really engaging conversation with? What were some of the highlights? That doesn't take long to do, is because, and it's actually nice to kind of go, oh, actually, this week I did more than I thought I did. Um, and then the second part is planning. Now, of course, planning is like, you should, everyone should plan, but it, it can be hard to imagine how to do that. So I follow a very simple um, framework for want of a better word. Um, I call it, I call it OBT because that's the, it's one big thing. It's it, so every day when I'm planning my next week, I say, right, every single day, there's going to be one big thing that I'm going to get done. That big thing could be four hours drafting a document for XYZ, or it could be uh, a difficult phone call, let's say. There's some problems in some part of the business and it's like, I need to deal with this and I'm putting it off. And if I get that done, that's, I'm happy. That Like if I got nothing else done in the day, that's good. If if I do get the OBT done, then I have my SBT, my second big thing. So it's le it's less of a big deal, but it's still it's still something that's on the cards that it's like I really want to get this done. And then guess what? After my second big thing, there's there's a third big thing. So I try and put down three things for every day in order of decreasing importance, if you like. And look, there's there's a to do list a hundred miles long. Um, but it's really about slow and steady progress. It goes back to the kind of incremental, like you just drip by drip, as we know. Um, it's, it's getting those things done. So reflection every Friday, planning every week, or every Friday as well, planning the following week. And look, I drift. Like, Scott, you meditate, I meditate. Like, most of the job of meditation is coming back to your breath. You're always coming back. And in a very similar way, when I find myself drifting during the day, when it's like, oh, it's so much to do, I just come back to my list of the three things. Have I done my three things? And if I haven't, do the three things. I really love that. I have a similar practice um, where I write down my to-do list every morning and then I look at it and say, okay, now what's the one thing that if I got it done would move me the fur furthest and fastest. Um, but I think I'm going to steal OBT because that, that just, <laughs> that, that, that sounds, that has a ring to it. Um, well, I really appreciate all, all of the wisdom that you shared with us today. The last question is always around just sharing one last tip. So if there were 
we have people that are tuning in now and will tune in later that either aspire to or wish to advance in an endeavor that makes seeks to make a difference of their own. And you know, if if there were one last tip, piece of advice, uh, maxim that you would you could share for anybody that wants to lean in just a little bit harder into the difference only they can make, what would you say to them? Um. I'm not just saying this because it's you on the call, Scott, but uh, stoicism is, has been uh, a huge influence in my life uh, and continues to be. And th there, are, there's, there are so many good passages in stoicism, and I have, I've not memorized most of them, but the, the simplest, I suppose, is, is one from Seneca, and it's about words becoming works. Um, I think it's incredibly easy nowadays to... Um, to research, to study, to plan, to to stay behind the laptop, if you like, mm -hmm. um, but to actually put something into action, to look through your phone, to find someone that potentially you could call up and have a conversation with. I think that's worth 10, 100 times as much as as the words that might go behind it. The words can come later. I think act, act first. I love that. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Connor and I really appreciate you lending us your valuable time and attention. We hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Connor and the difference that he's making at connormccarthy.me. Of course, it's always great to see you too at creativeonpurpose.com. Now, take the insight and inspiration from this conversation and start flying higher in the difference only you can make. Connor McCarthy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Scott.